Barry Duplessis here for PCA 2022, coming to you from beautiful but hot Las Vegas, Nevada at the Sands Expo for this amazing, amazing time. Um, you know what? I'm going to start over. It's okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Why start over? Nobody cares. That's true. I could. Just leave so, it alone. You know what? This is this is the real. This is real shit. This is the real shit. The real this shit. Is the real shit. Yeah, so we, the real, we mess our words so, up all the time. All right. So fine. Everyone's You've been, been drinking and smoking for three days nonstop. Everyone you, you thought know, I was yeah. perfect until yeah, perfect. now. This is fine. Okay. So anyway. So coop. Get the scoop. Ben Lee behind the camera. Aaron Nielsen's doing what he's doing best, getting samples, smoking a cigar, <laughs> and getting fantastic pictures of your new product. I'm here with the infamous, uh, infamous notorious, notorious, terrific, <laughs> but yes, jolly horrific. and amazing Steve Saka of Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. Uh, I better Steve. start drinking now. Where's the bottle? Steve, 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 how you doing? I'm good, man. It's uh, it's it's been a it's been a really busy show, which is a good show, right? So Always. you gotta you gotta be happy about that. Um but I, I'm with you, man. It's too fucking hot here, man. I just, I, I don't even know how I'm surviving how hot it is here. So the other day, when I went into the room, you know how they have a tile floor in the room? And I took my shoes off and I was walking on that tile floor. You know how nice and cold that feels? I took my pants off and I sat on the floor so my balls would be in contact with the tile, right? And I'm sitting there, and Sydney goes, what are you doing? And I'm like, uh, well, the towel's really cold. It feels really good on my nuts. She's just like, are you kidding me? I'm like, that's so gross. I'm like, look, babe, I'll, I'll towel it up. I'll wipe the spot up. That was probably too much information now that I think about it, wasn't it? Hey, we said it was going to be real. That's yeah, real, man. I mean, that's about as real my as My balls gets. on the cold tile floor has been my best experience in Vegas this trip. Look, look, this is the Cigar Coop Coalition. This is teaser-free. <laughs> teaser-free. So, rumor-free, teaser-free, right here with Steve Saga. Uh, Steve, you know, I've, I've sat across from you at this trade show. Uh, this is our fourth time together uh, in your awesome booth. And... Uh, the and same booth, same, too cheap to buy anything else. Same, same booth. No, but you did switch the sign around. We used to be, yeah. we used to be on this side, you know. So, yeah, you know, got to, got to, got to, got to, got to add a little pizzazz. Exactly, the panache, <laughs> a little, little polish here and there, and everything. Um, it's been a great year for you, Steve, as always, and uh, you continue to impress uh, your fans, your customers, the retailers, uh, with these amazing ligas as you put out. And uh, I've really, I've really appreciated uh, these kind of like daily updates that you've been doing. Um, because I mean, again, as real as real gets and everything, they're they're refreshing and they're they they paint perspective and and everything. And this morning's post was really great because you were talking about how, you know, day you know the, what this trade show has meant to you was your entire first year in business. I mean, yeah. that is impressive. I can tell you, I didn't I didn't really think about it until look, you're always running so fast and you're just going from fire to fire. And this morning, I uh, I went to bed last night at eight o'clock. So I woke up at like two, I couldn't get back to sleep. So I went downstairs and I was just sitting there drinking some coffee and smoking a cigar. And I thought, man, you know, we've written this number already this year. And I was like, wow, that's like literally more than we wrote our entire first year in business. That just in three days, that's how much we've grown in seven years. And you know, and look, I'm always dealing with problems and stress and all of that. And I never take a moment to really pause and reflect about you know we really how blessed we truly are mm -hmm. and we've been really blessed and, uh, and, and look it's I got to do the work but in the end it's because people support choose to support us Absolutely. if they didn't choose to support us then it wouldn't matter and you can't help but be really genuinely thankful now I can still be a dick about it I can still be cranky and grumpy but I'm also thankful 
it's more like a curmudgeon. It's not really old and cranky. So, I mean, it depends. I, I, I've easily, I, I've told a lot of people to fuck off this trade show. So, yeah, no. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what you said right before we started the interview to me. But, I mean, if you want to bring our business to the air, that's, I suppose that's, that's, that's your prerogative. But, Steve, you know, you were talking about how far we've come and everything. Um, you know, there's, uh, you know, I'm sitting here smoking the Brulee Blue. You're sitting over there smoking the new Saka Con. Right. This is, these are the, these are the third iterations, if you will, of two of your foundational brands, the yeah. Sobra Mesa and the Mi Corita. So, I mean, it's not just Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust that's evolving and growing. It's, it's these brands that you started off with. Yeah, you know, we've been really, again, blessed, lucky, I don't know what you want to call it, but uh, we haven't had anything disposable. You know, everything we make is still growing and doing well, and and there's just no reason to, there's no reason to just, I mean, look, I make a lot of new stuff, but also at the same time, I, I'm always really focused on the core. So like this year, you know, we'll do roughly 1.8 million units this year, okay? And I know everybody gets excited about Barbara Amaria and Red Meat Lovers and Don Derma, but the reality is all those cigars added together are relatively insignificant. If you had all that limited stuff, I don't even know if it equals 50,000 units. You know what I mean? And when you think about it in the grand scheme, it's really a very small part of our business. It's an important part of our business, sure. right? Because it gives something for the loyal Dunbarton guys to look forward to that's different and unique, but mm -hmm. it's not how we're eating. And right. it's not how we're growing, and it's not how I'm buying new tobaccos and investing in commission crops and all the important things. And that's really good because you have to have that foundational core in order to be able to truly grow and do great things. And when you look at the really well-established brands, that's what they all have in common. They all have one, two, or three things that are the base, the foundation and I'm sorry, Nicholas, I don't mean to take your trademark there, but it's a, it's a good word. The foundation on which you can then build upon. It's always like charity, you know, that whole thing, you want to be charitable. You got to become rich. The more rich you become, then the more you're able to be charitable, right? Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. So once you start to earn, you can then start to give more. And it's the same thing here. As our brands grow in Sober Mesa Brulee and in Mique Reed and in Sin Compromiso, it lets me do some more of the little fun, quirky kind of stuff that well, you want to do. You know, two, just two takeaways from what you were saying there, Steve. You know, like the, um, I, you know, in my world outside of this world, I've been talking about injecting positivity into our to our daily lives, and that's what these these LEs do. They like it, it, you've built a solid foundation, like we talked about, and and these products, these core are, you know, your lifeblood, right, uh, for the company. But these fun little projects, like you said, they inject this nice little positivity into the people that have been loyal to you. And to that point, you know, you talked about being blessed. I mean, that's another mantra that I, I try to that I've tried to live by. If you're going to be blessed, be a blessing, and that's kind of what you're talking about. Yeah. Wow, this has gotten real sappy. Can we go back to my nuts on the floor? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So when the when their nuts were on the floor, oh, no 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 come on! So Sydney's gonna be pissed that oh, I even okay. talked about well, this. Look, look, you brought it up twice. <laughs> I know. Now. I'm just following. Because I'm already dreaming about it again. It's the first thing I'm gonna do when I get back to the hotel today. You know, you know, like the dog that scooches on the carpet. Exactly. You yell at the look, dog. Bad dog. Bad dog. Look, this is the first time that Lafferty <laughs> did this soccer, story. Bad He's soccer. already dreaming about going back to his hotel room and doing it. <laughs> so I think I think you're spreading the love everywhere. Yeah. So, um, literally. Um, <laughs> Sausage Survival Vegas Tips. 
<laughs> so let's, let's talk more about this uh, this this year of yours, uh, Steve. Now you mentioned uh, your core and everything, and one of the things that you had to you know make a business decision on because brulee, as you have you've coined, has been a monster for you. Yeah. Is the tobacco that you use? You had to make a decision to not say goodbye, but put on hold, put on pause, todos los dias, right. which is one of my favorite cigars that you make. And, yeah. and but I was really excited to see that uh, the Mas Fuerte was coming back. Yeah, this but that's year. entirely out of selfishness. So. In Todos Los... Oh, I know you didn't do it for yeah. me, so uh, let's... In Todos yeah. Los Dias, the size that I always liked the best was the Lonsdale, the Thick Lonsdale, the Mas Fuerte. And I'm down to, like, my last 30 cigars, personally. And so my plan was to make about 300 of them for me. And I was like, you know, if I'm going to go through the work of sorting the tobacco and getting a pair to make 300 crummy cigars, it's going to probably take them about two and a half days. They'll be a little slow starting. I'm like, you know what? I'll offer it to other retailers if they want to buy it, if they have customers in a store that love Total Slots Dias and they miss it, well, here's an opportunity while I'm making my 300 for me. If I sell two boxes, I will now end up making 320 cigars. If I sell a thousand boxes, I will now make whatever that is, 13, you know, 10,300 cigars. But it's just meant to be, because I don't, I have enough tobacco to make a little bit, but I don't have enough tobacco to bring Total Slots Dias back. Okay, and I, and I have a limit. I don't even know what we've sold, but I could only make maybe somewhere like around 3,000, 3,200 boxes maximum mm-hmm. this year. I don't think we sold that much, to be honest with you. Um, but whatever we did, it's just a good way to give it back to the retailers. We had a lot of retailers that, for a lot of our retailers, Toast Las Dias was their slowest selling line, mm-hmm. but we had some retailers that it was their best selling line. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Yeah, I'm happy to have it come back, but we're not doing a lot of fanfare around it. It's such a geek cigar. Well, speaking of geek cigars, you know, we sat here last year, you talked about your geekiness about pipe tobacco, and Stillwell Star has uh, just been awesome for you, and uh, so much so that you're, this year, for your fans, you're offering up another... uh, yeah. Another uh, offering for that to, uh, to celebrate hol- celebrate the holidays this coming. Yeah, holiday well, that, that was always the intent because so in the pipe market, traditionally pipe carvers make custom pipes once a year. That's a holiday pipe, and then the pipe tobacco blenders they typically make one blend of pipe tobacco every year to sell as a holiday release. So I always wanted to do that as a once, and it always comes out like end of October, early November, so that it's available to the retailers to sell to their pipe customers before Thanksgiving. And it's just kind of tradition that they do in the pipe segment. So it just sense because of Stillwell and the tie-in with Cornell and Deal, it just makes sense to try that. Um, I did play it a little safe this year. Um, I ended up doing another aromatic blend. It's more subtle though than the aromatic number one. Um, I like this aromatic better personally, and also it doesn't have a sweet tip, which personally I like better too. I don't know how consumers are going to feel about it, but it's a it's a really pleasant, mild aromatic blend, and it's got like a I don't know how to describe it. It's like grandma bacon cookies, you know what I mean? And it's just got such a great room note to it. I I, I think I, I think the people that like that style of cigar are going to be really pleased with it. Terrific. And you just took every one of one that's been listening to you back to Grandma's Kitchen. So what a what a nice yeah. little bonus there. I, I think I think look it's. I think it's a fun project. I still, Stillwell's a weird one though. So Stillwell as an overall brand is doing really super well, but it depends on the individual brick and mortar location. Mm-hmm. Some are doing 
unbelievable with it. And others are like, man, we just, this doesn't work for us. Our customers, they don't get it. They're not getting it. So it's in a kind of a weird, weird place as a brand. Overall, numbers are fantastic, but it's still hit or miss. And I think it's because it's so strange. I think it's going to take a couple, three, four years for it to percolate and see if there's a customer in every shop for it. You know, nice coffee drop there. Yeah, we'll, nice. we'll we'll see what happens. So the so with this year's holiday release, is it going to be coming out to? Uh, will it be on retailer shelves in November, December? Yeah, it'll be on retailer shelves in November. Terrific. Well, yeah, good. good. And the uh, the Mas Forte is that available right away? No, Mas Forte is. I'm building that to order. So whatever, like I'm not I'm not making any extras. So whatever we write between now and June 29th, that's going to be how many cigars I make. So it'll probably be delivered uh, probably like late January, maybe early February. Just when my retailers are the brokest, it's going to be perfect for them. They're going to love it. Yeah. But look, no, nobody's buying crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah, I imagine the guys that are buying are buying like five boxes or maybe even 10 boxes, I think would be a stretch. It really depends on your customers as to whether it makes sense or not. So we were talking about, this is a great, a great intersection, because we were talking about before we, uh, we jumped on here with you, uh, how, you know, th with this year's releases, uh, we haven't heard the typical Steve Saka, oh, this cigar sucks, it's terrible, don't smoke it. Uh, but we haven't really heard anything about the holiday blend too much about that. So does, does it suck? Does it, you know, should people buy it? I, I mean, I, again, <laughs> if, you're, if you don't like aromatic, if you're 100% opposed to that, then you're probably not going to be happy with it. If you're somebody that's willing to, you know, a little bit of diversity in your mix, then it'll probably be really good for you. If you're someone that typically smokes really mild cigars, you're probably going to be rather pleased with it too. But I mean, it, look, the guys that are Tricky Traca, U-Boat, Unstolen Valor guys, yeah, I mean, buy a holiday and just try it, but don't go out of your way to buy a box because it's probably not going to be a good fit for you. To hear that, Aaron, you need to buy a box, 10-4, got it. All right, so, um, so the, uh, I mean, you know, we were, I mentioned earlier about how we were building up on, you know, these brands that got you started mm -hmm. and everything. You were smoking the Mi Korea Saka Con. And, uh, I mean, this was, a, this, was, this was a long time in the making here uh, for you. I know you've been working with it and working it um, and everything. This is another limited edition cigar, or limited production, rather. Right. Tell us a little bit about this uh, so, brand. And, so this really goes back about 30 years one of my very first cigar loves were cigars that were made at the Villazon factory um, at a factory called Hatza. And it was run by a gentleman named Frank Inesa, was the owner. And Ernesto, Ernesto uh, Padron, um, why am I saying, Estella Padron, good God, I have had too much to drink. Estella Padron was the master maker in the factory. And they made heavy, broadleaf style cigars, but they made relatively inexpensive cigars. And they were the original makers of Hoya and El Rey de Mundo and Punch before they got bought out by General, which has now become STG. And this was one of my very first, like, true cigar loves where I started buying boxes in quantity. And, you know, as a cigar smoker, and I know you guys have all experienced this, we go through phases where you're in love with a certain genre or style, and almost everything you smoke is that. So you kind of go through your mild phase, and then you kind of go through your sun-grown phase, and you go through your, oh, some people go through a Cuban phase, and other people go into the, hey, it can't, it can't, you can't make one that's strong enough, you know what I mean? But typically, you eventually kind of move on, and you find something else. 
And for me, the one thing that I have consistently smoked for three decades is this Connecticut Broadleaf, medium to full, earthy, Connecticut Broadleaf sweetness, a bit of pepper, but not overwhelming, not bite your head off, and a little bit of roughness to it. And that was really the, that was the benchmark when I was at Drew and we were creating Liga Pravada. Liga Pravada was really taking those cigars that Estelo and Frank used to make and just doing them better better materials, more attention to detail, more refinement. And then when I left Drew, I made me Kirita. And I made me Kirita not to be a head-to-head competitor with Liga, but I made it because I need the cigar. This is, this is a cigar that I've smoked consistently for 30 years. The one thing that me Kirita has never had is it's never had what was one of the most key ingredients of the cigars that Frank and Estello had. It was Honduran tobacco. And Frank and Estella used to get a specific seed variety that was grown at a farm called La Estrella in northern Honduras. That farm no longer exists because the drug cartels moved into the area and it made farming there not safe any longer. And the farm was abandoned a long time ago. So I know the people that used to grow on that farm. They still had that original Honduran Cuban seed that they were growing. So we planted a pilot crop of it about four years ago to give it a test. And that was what I wanted to build Mi Rita Black around because I wanted to try to get as close to those cigars that Frank and Estello used to make that I first fell in love with. And the pilot crop turned out fantastic. Now we're not growing in Northern Honduras, that farm doesn't exist, but we're growing it in Southern Honduras in the Hamistran Valley. And I had just enough of that tobacco that we introduced the brand last year as an exclusive at JR. Mm-hmm. And I have enough of that tobacco left that I can make about another 3,500 to 4,000 boxes. The cigars have actually been made, but I'm doing the final color quality sort um, the end of this month. Uh, so there's gonna be, we're saying there's 3,500 boxes. There might be 3,400, there might be 3,600. It's just gonna depend on how the final sort comes out. But I didn't want to save that tobacco for next year's brand launch because now this tobacco will be two years older than the full crop of this Honduran. And then it would cause a blending, an inconsistency problem. So I said, you know what, let me use this tobacco. I'll give kind of like a sneak peek to all of our retailers of what the Mike Rita Black. Look, this is a little bit risky if you think about it because if I just held to next year, I would probably sell like 16, 20,000 boxes selling four new sizes all out at one time. And here what I'm doing is I'm basically kind of like lifting my dress and giving a little look and I hope they like what they see because I might be screwing myself for next year, but I, I'm very confident in the blend. I think it's, it falls right between the blue and the red, but that Honduran element really adds something different to it. And I really love the fact that I get to bring back a, a specific seed of tobacco that hasn't been grown in about 18 years. So it's, it's a cool project. It's the type of crop I like to do. So It sounds like you've been lifting your dress quite a bit this week. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, but to that note, you just dropped two names that, that I think um, don't get paid their due. Well, and, look, it's like yeah. everything. It's Look, for most consumers, they've never heard these names. Yeah, they have no important. relevance. Uh, both of them have gone to the pearly gates. Um, but I mean, they were considered really, they were kind of considered the kings of broadleaf. That is what they focused on. And in fact, I learned how to ferment broadleaf from Estella Padron. Mm-hmm. And Estella Padron was the brother of, well, is the brother of the famous Jose Orlando Padron. Mm-hmm. It's a cigar family. And uh, now I will say, 
we changed those techniques when I was at Drew, but it began with those techniques that Estello taught us. And we refined them there. And as time goes on, we've refined them a little bit differently at Oliva Tobacco Company, the way we do ours. So everything is a progression and a step. Exactly. I, well, and that's, and that's the thing. Like, these names may not be on the tongues of some of your customers today, but they were the inspiration to, like, you and Pete and Nick and people who have done tremendous things with Broadleaf right. now. And, and you're, 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 the, you're carrying the torch. Yeah, and look, and there'll be somebody 40 years from now, and maybe I'll be blessed enough to say, yeah, there was this guy, Sokka, you know, 50 years ago he's been dead, but, you know, he kind of, you hope. You're hoping to create that type of legacy, but yes. And I'm sure, and I don't know who Frank and Estella learned it from, you know what I mean? But everything gets passed on to the next generation. And you think how many Dominican makers give credit to Benji Menendez, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just the way it is. Yeah, no, absolutely. And there's a lot of icons in this business that have since passed on or retired or taken on different roles. And uh, like I said, we, they've, they've kind of patched the torch to, to folks like you. And you've, and you've done nothing but lift it higher and higher, Steve. I, I mean, I have to give you credit. Um, and Not bad for a fat white guy. Not bad for a fat white guy. You said it. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I... One last thing about this Mikarita box. Now, this is a this is a lot different than the traditional wooden boxes that we see in the Tricky Traka and the original blue. Yeah, and this, there's, some, they, there's some nice there's some more. nice paisley patterns. Let's yeah. not miss this. They cost so, more, so I have to make the box a little nicer. <laughs> I mean, I mean that's that's some pretty uh, you know, that's some pretty design there. Let me see. You know what's the coolest part about that box? Is look at the sides. We got the pattern to wrap perfectly around the edges. Yeah, Arliss. No, no, no detail missed. Yeah, poor Arliss, man. I drove him crazy. <laughs> I, I had him make sample box. I think we threw away like 300 samples before he got it right. I'm like, just keep doing it. Eventually, you're gonna get it, Arliss. And I kept paying him to do the work. So, you know, you, we've had a lot of fun here today, Steve. And you, you, you have a lot of fun making cigars, smoking cigars, and everything. And uh, the next, uh, you know, one of the fun projects that you do is the Moester de Sacco. And yeah, it started it's one with, of my favorites. It started with the Exclusivo, and then my first interview with you at a trade show, I smoked a one-year-aged Exclusivo while I was sitting pretty much in the same seat. Yeah, same furniture. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, um, it's nice, it's kind of, it's kind of, I've kind of molded myself into it over the years. This is kind of, this is nice. Uh, but there's another iteration that uh, was just released a few weeks ago, and uh, uh, you know, despite your best efforts, you tried to smoke through most of them yourself. Yeah. Um, but it's it's something we were talking about before we started rolling. The Bewitched has been uh, one of, I mean, arguably one of, one of your favorites yet. Yeah, I think I'm really curious. You know, I don't say this stuff out loud. I've never said this out loud before, but I'm gonna say it out loud now. Bewitched deserves to be in the top two or three cigars this year. Bewitched is a really special blend. It's just, it's so enjoyable. It's just, it's super creamy and super flavorful and it's medium full, but the problem with Bewitched is it's very hard to describe because it isn't very distinct. It's almost like in the middle. And normally being in the middle is not a good place to be, but there's just something about this that's just, the name is appropriate. I find it a very entrancing, bewitching cigar. I really do. In fact, it's the first Muestra that I've made that I'm actually going to see about making in different Vitolas. Because all oh, okay. of the other Muestras have always been made to be Vitola specific. And right. that was also true with the Bewitched. But I'm so in love with that blend. 
I'm going to start playing around and seeing, hey, can I make this in a slightly smaller format? Can I make it in a slightly wider format? Can I get it to translate well in other sizes? Because I really think it's that good a blunt. I'm, I'm so pleased with it. I'll be curious. We'll see what happens. You know, I don't know. Look, with all Muestras, they always sell really super well. Mm -hmm. um, but does it sell well enough to actually justify making it into potentially a core brand? And then the other problem is, I don't even know, I, I don't even have room for another core brand right now. I kind of, so I, I need something to stop selling before I add something else. Cause you, in the beginning when you're starting off, what a retailer says to you is, hey Sock, I'd love to bring your crap in, but I gotta take somebody else's brand off my shelf. Right. Whose brand should we take off the shelf? And of course, every manufacturer says any other manufacturer, right? That's what we do. Um, but when you get to a certain size, you then start to cannibalize yourself. Right. Because they're already giving you a certain amount of footprint in their humidor, and they can't just keep giving you more space. So when you launch a new core, you almost are supplanting your own core, and that's going to be a bit of a problem for me because I don't have anything that really I want to discontinue at this point. So I want to take a step back for just a second and what you're saying about how you were really looking forward to exploring this into different Vitolas. So I, I, I'm... I'm curious here because I and I'll, I'll, I'll confess I have I have not smoked the chubby unicorn. Is that a different blend from the unicorn? No, it's the same blend as a regular unicorn. It's just I think it's a more consistent smoking experience because the shape is much simpler. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's still a, a fat kind of perfecto, but the regular unicorn has that really sharp tapered funnel as you head to the head. It's such a sharp point and it causes all sorts of construction issues. So unicorns are technically very difficult to get right in those heavy materials where the chubby is much, much safer to do because a chubby is really kind of just a really fat cigar that you then have a kind of a dropping shoulder at both the foot and the head. So you don't have a lot of, you don't have to do a lot of magic there to make that a really smokable thing. But here's, what do I do with a chubby? It's, it's a perfect example. I don't want to make another $100 cigar. And would a chubby be a $100 cigar if a chubby is two thirds the length of a unicorn? Should it be, you know, last? We're still talking about cigars? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Okay, just wanted mean, to check. I just, I just, um, you know, so I don't know what to do with the chubby, really. Again, you have to. Sorry. How old are you, dude? <laughs> you were dragging your balls across the floor 10 minutes ago. Touche. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, in, my, in my perfect world, I kind of would like the unicorn to go away and replace it with a chubby because I know that the chubby, so no matter how good we do unicorns, out of every thousand unicorns, there's going to be about 20 of them that are going to be subpar. And I know that going into it, because I know how difficult that shape is in those materials. Now, if I'm making that shape in the brulee blend, that one can be flawless. But when you're making out of those really thick, heavy materials in that format, there's always going to be these problems. And I know that in the chubby, I avoid a lot of those problems. But at the same time, unicorns have kind of become a very celebratory cigar yeah. and people buy them they don't buy them as a cigar they buy them to mark a, an occasion a memory True. something special in their lives the birth of a daughter a, a, you know an anniversary something like that and so i don't want to get rid of it these are the business decisions yeah. that you always constantly have to make you can't you can't do everything all the time
Right. And I have to and I have to figure out. Like I'll tell you something I'm struggling with right now mentally. What do I do with Muestra de Soccer? Muestra de Soccer, when I originally came up with the concept, it was every year I was gonna make a unique thing and we were gonna sell it one time for one year, and then next year there would be a new one, and it would replace the previous one. That was always the goal with Muestra. But here's what's happened. We sell just as many exclusivos as we sell Now Leave Me The Hell Alones, as we sell the Naka Tamales. They all keep doing really, really well. So what do you do? The retailers wanna buy them, the consumers wanna smoke them, yeah. so you keep making them, but look, I'm already up to five, right? Not counting the unicorn itself. And I'm gonna have Krakatoa next year, because I think I actually got that blend down. Once I stop thinking about it and not fretting over it, I think I've actually got that one worked out. So there'll be another one. So, I mean, I'm gonna have like what? I'm gonna take over like 28 feet of a, a retailer's humidor with all of these coffins, you know what I mean? So I'm not even sure what to do with it. I don't want to stop making new Westeros because I love the project. Yeah. It's fun. It's exciting. It's innovative. It gives me something to It's that do. injection it's, we were right, talking about. It gives yeah. me something to, to do. But also I have to think about the business realization. Like, guess what? This year, I'm going to cut out two Umbagogs. Not because they're not selling. It's just for the sizes sell two and a half to three and a half times more than the Churchill and the short and fat. Retailers can only give you so much space. I'd rather them focus on the four that I know sell two to three times better than these two other sizes. Not that we're not selling Churchills. In a bad month, I sell a thousand bundles of Churchills. I sell a 1,200 bundles of short and fats, but I have to start saying, hey, I have to, I have to narrow it down, because what ends up happening ultimately is you end up with this crazy price sheet, and I won't name any companies, but you guys see them. There's these companies that have these, literally these price sheets with 175, 200 items on them, right? And it just makes a production nightmare, it makes an inventory nightmare, and they end up not being able to focus on what's the most important, because they're trying to do all things to all people. So you have to start, I mean, the appropriate buzz business term for it is skew rationalization. And I know that isn't sexy for the consumer, but you, you have to do that. And that's kind of where, I, like, what do I do with Muestra? I can't keep making Muestras and keep growing the thing. It can't, can't become, it. what, 18 years from now, there's gonna be 18 of them. <laughs> I, I wouldn't, they'd be disappointed, but no, but these are the considerations that you make, not only for, for the not only for the consumer, which who some might ultimately be bummed by some of these choices you but have to make. It's also in the consumer's best interest because if the product gets too burdensome for the retailer, then the retailer stops stocking the product. Right. Think of how many brands a lot of retailers have cut back on because it's become too burdensome for them to meet yeah. the stocking requirements of the companies that they do business with. 100%. And then that ends up depriving access to the consumer from cigars that they really like. Mm -hmm. So it's, you have to find an equilibrium as to how this is gonna work. Absolutely. And I, and I, I think you've done it. And I think you're, gonna, you're continuing to do that, Steve. So again, those are the considerations that you make for everyone. And we're really excited for uh, always for, these, for these, these wonderful projects that you've put together this year, as we are excited every, every year and on the daily basis for the core that you've established. Um, Steve, it's been fantastic sitting here. Thank you so much for your time. Very, very busy trade show for you, as always. Uh, today's um, kind of slow. It's day four. We ain't doing much today. This is a tradition now, and yeah. I really enjoy sitting with you. <laughs> recapping another great show recapping another great year and well, uh, thank you you know it's not over yet and uh, we can't thank you enough for the support 
um, that you've always given us and the time you've always given us. And uh, yes, you are getting an invite to my birthday show. Uh, uh, but, can't wait. But you don't have to wish I'll me a happy birthday. I'll wear the hat. Birthday. I'm going to hold you to it. Hell yeah, I wear a birthday hat. <laughs> I'm not good. above that. I just talked about dragging my nuts on the floor. Why would I wear a birthday cap? <laughs> so, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> so, thank you so much for all of your time. So, for Bear Duplicy, the Cigar Coop Coalition, a tradition that continues on making from another traditional maker, Mr. Steve Saka, here at the Dunbar Tobacco and Trust booth, P PCA 2022. We'll see you soon.